Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit LifeChurchStPeters.com. Introducing African missionary extraordinaire, Mark Levesque. 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 <laughs> Whoa. You know, the fact that, uh, well, I am a missionary. I go to Africa three or four times a year, two or three times. They're trying to get me to go four. <laughs> I don't want to. Someone said, uh, what, your, what was your favorite part of this last mission? I said, getting home. <laughs> so, but, you know, we're, we're, everyone involved in this mission, even though we saw 61,000 people come to Christ on the last mission, and we had 80,000 people come to Christ just through the training we've done in the past in the month of August. It's actually 87,000. So there's a lot happening, but we're just, just regular people just doing what God, it's all God. We're just following the path he's laid out. It's nothing special. And so whatever we're called for, you know, whatever we're called to do, we follow. And, um, and so I wasn't going to talk about this. Cause it, it came to me while we were worshiping this thing, that experience I had this, with Christ. But when Greg was up here, he was like, what memory do you have? You know, and it was the same memory. And so I'm going I'm to share it with you because it, for me it was profound. And it kind of goes in line with what Tom's been trying to get us to move more and more into, which is, which is prayer, seeking God. Yeah. You know, he talked about prayer and fasting. Yeah. And if you want to get your flesh up quick, fast food, right? But the main thing we're fasting is the world. Yeah. If we're in a... In, in a situation, a problem in our life, the answer is fast the world and focus on Christ. That's fasting and prayer. You gotta fast the world, the world's system, the world's answers, the world's voice, what the world tells you you are, all those things are the world. And the world will eventually pass away and all its wisdom will pass away. All its wisdom came from God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the garden, God made it. When man, Adam, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil became the wisdom of this world. This world came into the world we have today at the fall of Adam and Eve because when Adam and Eve ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that, those realities in that tree became part of us. And we live it and we wrestle with it. But that's the wisdom of this world. If you have a PhD, you have a high-level degree in the wisdom of this world. Everything else comes from the heart that the spirit of man speaks. Who knows wisdom but the spirit of God? And so those of us that have been born again, we have received a new spirit. And that spirit has the wisdom of God. We know all things in Christ Jesus. We've been given the mind of Christ. All these things are reflected in the mirror that Tom talked about last week. The mirror of the word of God. And depending on the light in you shining on the mirror, that's what you see back. And that's why he was talking about glory and about the light, because it's the glory that emits from you is what you see back from the word. And if you're under the law, you're seeing the glory of the law reflect back into the mirror, and you're seeing yourself under the law, which makes you imperfect before God, because no one can be perfect by the law. But if the light in you is Christ shining on the mirror, that light shining back to you will show that God sees you through Christ. And Christ is perfect. Therefore, in God's eyes, I am perfect. I am perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that my soul ain't perfect. 
And I know my physical, last time I looked in a mirror, that my physical body ain't perfect. I got this mole right here. It's just, this is my humility mole. And I've been, I, I believe in healing. I believe you should walk in divine health. I tell this mole to get off my face every day. And it's hanging on there. It's like the devil's foothold. But one of these days, it's going to fall off. And so that's, we all wrestle, we are, we're wrestling with our soul growing into who we are in Christ. And so I was, um, one of the things that I learned from my first pastor was the source of his anointing, and he had a stronger anointing than anyone I've ever met before or since. I mean, he had an anointing where people would come over the house and they'd swoon because the, the anointing in the room was so strong, they just couldn't handle it, they'd just pass out. And I wanted that anointing. It wasn't like I wanted to be near God and worship him, holy, holy, holy. I wanted power. <laughs> I, you know what, I, I, I'm self-centered. What can I say? I wanted to grow in Christ because I wanted to do what Christ did. Right? right? Yeah. Now, that you can help people with that, right? Yeah. So it's a good thing. So I wanted, I wanted more of that anointing. And he meditated a lot. He spent a lot of time in God's presence. And so I thought, well, I'll start doing that. You know, I couldn't sit for five minutes without itching or moving or swallowing or my mind going over to the work I had to do or... So I started setting an uh, egg timer. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here for five minutes, and those five minutes felt like an eternity. But eventually, I got up to 10 minutes and 20 minutes, you know. Once I started to hit 20 minutes, stuff started to happen. The Holy Spirit started to manifest because I was becoming still, and I was, I was fasting the voice of the world, world and focusing on the voice of Christ. And I started to experience things of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit started giving me visions and revelations from the Bible. I, I, when, we, when we moved up to the Midwest where all these holy people lived after I got saved and the people in the church we went to, I'm like in awe of what they knew. And it, and, but once I started getting quiet before the Lord, he started teaching me what they knew. You know, I started, I started being able to understand what they taught, were talking about, you know. So the, so the thing I was thinking about when Greg was talking was we we got this uh, meditation program from Jim Richards. Jim Richards is kind of a pioneer. He was one of the first ones in the, in the Christian renewal movement. He's kind of a granddaddy of people like Kenneth Copeland and uh, Andrew Womack, people like that that are really strong teachers today, Andrew Womack in particular. But he, so he, in that, he, he just taught you to relax, which I'd already learned to do, so I could relax pretty quickly. So I relaxed, and he said, now, Go to a place where you're completely relaxed and, you know, at peace. And so, I, for me, it's the, it's the shore in Maine, the state of Maine, on that rocky shore. In Agunquit, Maine, there's this path along the ocean. They call it the Marginal Way. Hey, this is, this is not what I was going to talk about, but this is what's really cool. One day, when I was a kid, we were walking the Marginal Way. We heard some noise, and we went around the corner, and there was a lady in full Scottish attire, playing the bagpipes with the fog coming off the ocean. And she was like in and out of the fog. I mean, you want to talk about a God moment. <laughs> you know, that was, that was special, but, but I digress. <laughs> anyway, that was special. God does these things, right? He does all kinds of things. We just have to open our eyes and watch for them. Like we're out walking a dog the other day for my son, and I'm not a dog walker, and there's one thing I hate about walking a dog is those plastic bag things because you got to use them, you know? And I had to use them twice because this, this dog needed it. 
Anyway, there were two bi-wing planes flying right over us when we were walking. I took that from God, right? So anyway, so Jim Richards says, once you're relaxed, see yourself in your peaceful place. So I'm sitting on a bench on, on the shoreline, and he says, now see Jesus walking around the corner and coming up to you. And so I imagine Jesus walking around the corner on the path. And it was so real. It was like as real as we are. And he walks up to me and I stand up and we hug. And it's so, it's so real, it's almost frightening to have the Lord be that real, right? Because it was so real. And I, and I hugged him and the love that I felt was real. And it was love beyond love we experience in this world. And, he, and the next thing you know, he steps into me. He steps into me, and that love is in me, and that light is shining forth. And so that was what I was thinking about when you said that, because that became so, when we learn to relax, and we start focusing on God, things start to happen, spiritual things that help us grow. And I think that's one of the places where God, where Tom, God wants Tom to take the church. And so I was thinking about this. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, it's uh, Ephesians 3.20, and it says, God is able to exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever you ask or think. Do you believe that verse? Yeah. You know that verse? Yeah. That's actually not the verse. <laughs> it's not the verse. Yes, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we are able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's a partnership. God decided when he created Adam and Eve that he was going to partner with man on the earth. And so we are in a partnership. God, when G God sent Jesus, he fixed everything. Lucy was talking about peace. When Jesus was born on earth, the angels were saying, peace on earth. Well, there wasn't peace on earth when they said it. There hasn't been peace on earth since then. Right? So what peace was he talking about? The angels were talking about Jesus was here now. Now there was peace between the human race and God. The war between God and man was over. And now there's only two races on earth. The people that have Jesus and the people that need Jesus. Amen? And so we who have Jesus, the war is over. The other people don't know the war's over yet between them and God. That's our job is to tell them the war's over and you can have forgiveness of sins, you can have the Holy Spirit, you can have life right now and forever, right? Eternity is not going to heaven and being with God forever. Eternity is now. Eternal life is now. Eternal life is not an endless extension of days. Eternal life is a quality of life. It's God's life. When we step into Christ, we've stepped into eternity. And so there's a very interesting uh, comment regarding that power within us. And it's kind of been, it was quoted by Nelson Mandela, but it goes back to Marion um, Williamson, Marion Williamson. And it says, it is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We are born to make manifest the glory of God, the God that w within us. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And so we are, we, if we have Christ in us, we are, you know, we, we have power beyond understanding. So how do we access that? How does that come to us? Well, it's the reflection of the mirror that's the key. And so I thought I would cover... 
how we see our reflection, how it was seen in the past, how are we supposed to see it today? Because a lot of times we are looking at that reflection the way the people in the Old Covenant did. And so um, the first scripture is in, um, well, first, how do you see your reflection? That's the title of the message. And it's an extension of the, the message we had on the mirror, because God's putting his hand on that right now. You guys okay? Yes. It's not too deep? If it is, just relax. It's going to be okay. Just be at peace, all right? One thing, one thing that I always remind myself is, is the thing that most gets me agitated when I hear it, like a difference of opinion, is the thing when I address it has the greatest capacity to change my life for the better. Yeah. The thing that triggers me. So what I do when I read the Bible is I look for how different people were triggered in the Bible. So I look for where the Pharisees were triggered, and every place they were triggered, I look for what Jesus was saying, and it starts to show me what he was really saying. You know, when he said, before Abraham was, I am, they got really mad and picked up stones and wanted to throw them. So Jesus is saying, I am the I am, right? Because they knew he was saying he was God. And so don't let someone tell you Jesus wasn't God. Jesus said he was God. Amen? And so let's go way back to Exodus, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 33, Verse 10, so this, this story in Exodus starts out with the children of Israel are, are, are going across the wilderness and they're setting up the tabernacle. And Moses uh, goes toward the tabernacle. And so it starts off in verse 10. And the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And so Moses went into the tabernacle. Everyone else worshipped in their tent door, which is part of the problem Israel had because they were worshipping in their tent door. The problem with the church today is we worship God in our way, how our little box is, how our little tent is. We worship God in our tent. We need to see God in a very grand and big way. We have to stop minoring, majoring on minors, major on majors, you know, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe God, believe God raised him from dead? Okay, come on in. <laughs> it's all about, is Jesus the Lord and Savior, right? Do you, do, you believe, do you believe Jesus saved you? Do you believe you're born again? That's the, that's the thing, right? And so they, they worshipped in their tent door. Moses worshipped inside the tabernacle. So verse 11. And... And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So Jesus was, Jesus, the, the presence of God before Jesus was born, right? That manifested. There was a guy in the Bible that we, that's kind of mysterious. He shows up with Abraham. Abraham bows down and worships him. Well, angels don't let you worship them. There was a man that Abraham went and cooked up dinner for who was telling Abraham, I'm going to go and destroy Sodom. There was a man before Jericho with a sword, the captain of the Lord's host. It was a man. And, and, and Joshua bowed down and worshipped him. It's the Lord of hosts, the Lord mighty, the Lord God almighty, the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ before he became Jesus of Nazareth, right? And so there's a manifestation of God that we can see face to face. Because there's some doctrines around the church saying that no man can see God's face to face. Well, Moses talked to God face to face right there, right? Speaks to him as his friend. And so God saw Moses as his friend. Moses saw God as his friend. 
in verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that I have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Knowing God's name, knowing God knows your name is really a strong, mature place to be as a follower of Jesus. And he said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And so he's asking him to see his glory. And so, you know, when I was in, um, when I was in uh, Congo, I, we had a really hard time getting there and a lot of things happened. And I, we, the Lord told us to go. The government told us to leave because Ebola had broken out in the city we were in. And we had flown through Rwanda and the Rwandan government said, you come out now or else. And we said, okay, are we going to go to this city where God's called us to? Or are we going to listen to the government of Rwanda? And we, it could have ruined our ministry if they got mad enough. I mean, it could have destroyed us. And so we just said, we're, we prayed and God gave us a vision and we went forward to a city called Kisangani in the Congo. And so we're, I, I just went there. I was teaching about 1,500 pastors, kind of about the same thing we're talking about here and about the authority of Christ's name. There was a prostitute who had been invited by one of the pastor's wives. Her name's Ruth. And she was just sitting there, she was sitting there, and all of a sudden she came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. She dropped to her knees, a Muslim prostitute lady, and she received Jesus right there. No one let her in it. She just, the Holy Spirit just did it, right? So we come back to do, uh, God worked out all the problems with the government, everything, everything ended up being fine. But we come back, we find out in the meantime she had died. You know, she had led about 100 people to Christ after she received Christ. And they were mad, her family was mad, so they were cursing her, literally. So she had a heart attack and died, and they were wrapping her body for the morgue. When she, two, after two hours, being dead for two hours, they're wrapping her body, and she, while they're wrapping her body, she was in heaven. And she didn't have a Bible, she didn't have a book of Revelations, she didn't ever read this stuff. She's walking on streets of gold. And she gets ushered into Jesus' throne room. She's telling us this after, because which is really cool. And she's, I saw Jesus in his glory, and I can't even describe the glory that I saw there in the throne room. And his face was so glorious, I couldn't even, he, she was looking at it, but she couldn't see it. You know, it's so bright. And so I imagine that's kind of like what it was when, when Moses said, I want to see your glory. Here's an Old Testament guy wanting to see something that only a New Testament person can handle, right? And so Ruth saw that, and she looked down, she was holding a beautiful Bible in the spirit, Next thing she knows, she's coming back in her body, yelling, Jesus. <laughs> and all her Muslim family came to Christ. You know? <laughs> Hallelujah. Since then, she and her team, she leads the, the discipleship effort in that part of the city now. And they've led over 2,000 people to Jesus. So that's pretty cool. But she saw this glory that God said Moses couldn't see. And so in verse 19, and he said, I will make God, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face. He tied the glory to his face, right? But this is a different manifestation of God than the, than the manifestation of God he saw, right? God's big. Yeah. You know, God's infinite. And so there's infinite manifestations of God. You want me to blow your mind right now? Yeah. 
Jesus is infinitely with you, Kim. You are in an infinite universe, one-on-one -on -one with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Guy, you are infinitely, and you touched on this in your message. I mean, I appreciate the message you gave because it shows the grandeur of, of God's being and creation. And that's small to him because he's infinitely beyond that. You know, every one of us has an, is in an infinite space between us and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father. We have a one-on-one -on -one relationship you know, the old hymn says we come to the garden alone and no one knows the words that have been spoken because it's spoken between you and God. That's what's called the secret place in the Bible. The secret place is the place where you meet God because it's a secret to you and you alone. You are in an infinite space with the almighty God. And so when you need something, he can infinitely take care of whatever you need. He's not busy trying to help, uh, you know, some football team win the... <laughs> One guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Rams could have used him Thursday night, but <laughs> he must be. Never mind. I'm not going to even go, Bills. <laughs> so that that's why we want to get quiet. That's why we want to spend time praying because there's an infinite God who wants to sp spend time in the secret infinite place with you and he in the infinite universe that you and he share. Wow. That's just extra. for the. <laughs> so God said, you cannot see my face and live. And he said, uh, for no man can see me and live. Now people take that and say, God can never, you can never see God's face and live. Well, that's an Old Testament guy, first of all. Secondly, he was talking to him face to face. There's, oh, maybe God can manifest in multiple ways. Maybe he can be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do you think? <laughs> you think God can do it? He has. <laughs> anyway, we need to be patient with our brothers and sisters and help them move along into a deeper walk with God, right? Tell them they got an infinite relationship with God. <laughs> and the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me and I, you will stand upon a rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. He, all, there's, all, there's all symbology throughout the whole Old Testament that when you see things from the eyes of a follower of Jesus, they're there and before you knew Jesus, you never saw them before, right? The whole, no, the whole Old Testament cries Jesus. And so he put him on the rock, and he, he, it will come to pass when my glory passes by that I will put you in a cleft in the rock. Who was cleft for us? Jesus. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood that, you know, from... See, I, we were singing uh, Friday night some hymns, and they were all like newer ones. And I, somebody said, well, why don't you know the hymns? Said, well, where I went to church, all our hymns were written in the, in the 17th century. <laughs> But they knew some stuff back then, you know, they did. And I will cover you with my hand. The hand of God is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I cast out devils then the hand, by, by the finger of God, then, then the Holy Spirit has come unto you, right? The Holy Spirit is the hand of God. It's the, it's the part of God that's at work in the world right now. Jesus did it all. Jesus accomplished everything. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit was sent to work through us to bring in God's kingdom, and to make a difference in the world. The Holy Spirit plus us equals the kingdom of God in manifestation in the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. But you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So we got to see a, a, 
the amount of glory he could handle, right? So let's, let's see God's perspective. God's perspective changes in the new covenant. So we're going to go to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so the Apostle Paul is comparing two covenants here, and he's comparing the glory from both covenants. Now, glory is a big word. The first word for glory in the Hebrew is kabod or kabod. That word means heavy weight of God's presence, right? And it's light. It's the Shekinah glory. It was light as well, right? And that word took on more meaning as we went toward the new covenant. The word glory also means how you praise someone. Like when we were praising Jesus this morning, people on their knees worshiping God, they're giving God glory, they're glorifying God by what they say. And so glory is what you proclaim over someone, right? And so when Jesus was baptized by, the, by John the Baptist, the father said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, he didn't do any miracle. He hadn't started his ministry. But he was pleased in him just because he's his kid, right? And he, he loved him because he was his kid, Right? And when we become born again, the moment we confess Jesus Christ is, is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we receive forgiveness and we receive the glory of God as a gift instantly. The moment we get born again, God is pleased with us and he loves us. And he, one of the reasons is that the thing that he most wants is every human being to receive Jesus. We were talking about crying holy earlier. Holy comes from, the word holy, holiness, comes from the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole. I did that right, right? W-H-O-L-E, right? Okay. It comes from the word whole. Human beings were created to house God and rule the earth. God wanted to rule the earth through Adam and Eve. Now he wants to rule the earth through us. We're whole when God lives in us. But the, what the devil does is he gets to think God's out there right. when God's in here and God's upon me, right? Jesus said that the spirit that is with you shall be in you. And then the spirit that's with you will also come upon you on Pentecost. And so we've got God in us and we've got God upon us. It says it in 1 John chapter 4. He that confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. We have God. Now, we know that there's a manifestation of God we worship, right? And there's a presence of Jesus that can show up and walk into the room, right? And those are available to us as well. But the one that has, carries the most power in this world is understanding that God in us. God in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's power. That's the way we're supposed to live. And why we come and meet together is to be reminded of who we really are. Amen? And so, so the Apostle Paul is talking about the two covenants. And he starts by talking about the Ten Commandments. And so he, he says, but if the ministry of death written and engraven in stones was glorious. So he's calling the Ten Commandments the ministry of death. It's right, I, I'm not saying it. <laughs> but if the ministry of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, past tense, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. 
So there was a glory in the law. Now the word glory is what God, it doesn't mean just light. It is light, but it also means what God declares over someone. And so under the law, we were all imperfect. And when Jesus came, he found a bunch of people who thought they were doing the law. When Jesus was here, he was ministering to people before the cross. And he was talking to people who didn't know the new covenant, right? It was the ministry of death because it showed that if you don't have a savior, you die. Because the Ten Commandments, he he said, you know, you think because you don't murder, you're keeping one of the Ten Commandments. But if you have hate in your heart, you've already murdered. And so he was showing how severe the law really is. He was showing that you, don't, you think you're keeping the law, but you're not. Because it's way deeper. It's about the heart, not our actions. God knows if he can get our heart, he can get our actions. So everything in the new covenant is about God trying to get us to, to understand who we are in our heart. And so that glory was passing away because God looked at us under the law as imperfect. That had to pass away. So he was seeing us and glorying over us as people who are imperfect and need a savior under the old covenant. But that's not the end of the story, right? How then is the ministry of the spirit rather glorious or more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation, which was the law, because it condemns us, was glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. And so the new covenant ministry is righteousness because it tells us that because of what Jesus did, we're right with God. And if we get that one thing, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, if we get that one thing, nothing can stop us. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? What the devil does is he gets He tries to get our conscience to put some condemnation between us and God so we don't walk around as if Christ is in us. We're walking around as if we need to be born again again, (laughs) which you can't do. A butterfly can't become a worm again and become a butterfly again. You know, we're born again one time, but we forget we're born again. You know, a worm becomes a butterfly. That's called metamorphosis. The word metamorphosis is the word for born again. Now, a butterfly can't become a worm again, but a butterfly can live on the dung heap like the worm. And so a lot of times we live in the wrong place rather than flying up with the birds and the sun and the sky, right? Once we know who we are, we start living out who we are, we start living who we are. (laughs) Amen. For if the ministry of condemnation is glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of glory that excels. In other words, in comparison to the new covenant, the old covenant had nothing. Right? Verse 11. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. So the old covenant's done away. Jesus nailed it to his cross. The new covenant is here. Much more that which remains is glorious. Verse 12. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could could steadfastly look to the end of that which is being abolished. So Moses is coming down with the Ten Commandments. There's a light coming off his face. And when the people see him, they're going like this, because the light coming off Moses was of the law. And when it hit their hearts, which they weren't saved people, they were feeling condemned because they were imperfect. Christ is the only way we can have perfection. 
And so they, he had to put a veil over his face so they could look at him and talk to him because the light was giving them condemnation. The law always brings condemnation. The purpose of the law is to lead us to Christ because the law teaches us that we can't do it without a savior. And so if you find someone who's trying to do it, and a lot of Christians are, you know, now that I'm born again, I'm going to show you by what I do with all my strength how good a Christian I can be. And that was me for a very long time, very long time, until I saw the, the new glory. Verse 14, their minds were blinded until the day there remains the same veil not taken away in the reading of the Old Testament. So when we're seeing ourselves as performing before God to be right with God, we're still under the old covenant. The veil is still over our heart. But the veil is done away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is still on their heart. Nevertheless, when it, their heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away from their heart. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, which is a mirror, beholding as in a mirror, the word there is actually mirror, the glory of the Lord. So we look into the Bible, the mirror, and we behold the glory of the Lord. We behold what God says about us in the new covenant. We are changed into the same image, the image of the Lord, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. And so it's not, it's not talking about glory like a ladder. Glory is not a ladder. I'm going from glory to glory to glory to glory. We do grow in the Lord, and we do improve, right? But in context here, it's talking about being changed from one glory to a different glory. So we've been changed from the glory that God saw us under the old covenant as imperfect, as, as, as not, you know, like Christ, We've been changed from that glory, the way God sees us, the glory of the old covenant, we've been changed to a new glory, the glory of Christ. And so God used to see us under the old covenant as needing something because we were imperfect, and we felt it. But under the new covenant, we've been changed to a glory where God sees us as his son Jesus. Amen? And so God sees us through Christ as he can... as. John can write in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as Christ Jesus is, so are we in this world. And so God sees us as Christ and him alone. And this is a revelation. This is not something that you can like learn like we go to school in the world's way of learning. This, what we're talking about, is a revelation. We can only learn it by the Holy Spirit. And so what I pray for all of us what I pray for, that each of us would pray for each of us is to grow in this understanding. Yeah. I, I went to a church, we were, we were really into the law. We studied the law, we studied the feasts of Israel. I learned a lot about things that are really cool now that I see Christ. I see Christ in the feast of Israel. I see Christ in the law. And so, but I underlined every law in the Bible. <laughs> I have a Bible at home, I can show you. Every law is underlined. The difficult ones in the Old Testament and the impossible ones that Jesus said <laughs> and Paul said, right? And so I understood that I needed to become a better person. And so a few of my friends in this church started to get a revelation of what we're talking about today. I didn't have it yet. So they asked me to come to a campfire. We used to sit around the campfire and talk about God. It's a lot of things that 
Guy talked about, you know, the, the awesomeness of God's creation, the infinite nature of God. Fun stuff like that, right? That was our hobby, right? So anyway, I'm sitting around this campfire and two of my friends are talking to me and they're talking about we're free in Christ. We have liberty now. God doesn't see us the way we, he saw us under the old covenant. He sees us in Christ in the new covenant. I said, look, if God didn't want us to do the laws, he wouldn't have put them in the Bible, right? My, one of my friends said, well, what did the Philippian jailer do? The Philippian jailer was a jailer that had Silas and Paul in prison and they were beaten. And then there was an earthquake when they were praising and the jailer was amazed at what God did to free them. He comes in, he says, men and brethren, what must I do to be saved? The jailer said that. And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will, be, you will be saved and your household. And so I just said to them, only believe. And it was like this rush of revelation happened to me. It was like an experience. Nothing in my life has been the same since that. That moment was such a pivotal moment for me it changed everything. It changed everything. And it was, it was a, a profound revelation. And I, I felt this sin burden fall off. Literally, I felt like Christian in uh, Pilgrim's Progress, how that sin burden came off of him. I felt it fall off. I knew that I knew that I was forgiven, totally forgiven. I knew that I knew that I was going to heaven. And I felt literally the heavens open. Literally, they're open already. But for me, they opened because <laughs> I had them closed, right? God op- Jesus opened the heavens. We keep them closed by the way that we see things. And I knew that I knew that I was going to heaven. And a car, <laughs> God's amazing, a car pulled into the driveway of the house and called out my name three times. Mark, Mark, Mark. Pulled out of the driveway and drove the other way. <laughs> and God was showing me that I'm going a completely different way. And it wasn't long before my church gave me the left foot of fellowship because I was talking, we're free, we have liberty, Christ loves us, everything's unconditional, you know? But I got, to, I got to witness about this truth before I left, you know? And so I just want us all to realize that we need to pray for a revelation for all of us to deepen about the unconditional love of God and that God sees us When he sees us, he sees us in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. You're a great God. And we thank you for your glory, the glory that you manifest throughout creation, the glory of your kingdom. But even more than that, we thank you for the glory you see over each of us, that we are your beloved children in whom you are well pleased. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. Hallelujah. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.